Morning, Cornerstone. My name is Jonathan, and I'll be doing the scripture reading for today. Uh, today we'll be reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 1 to 11, and we'll be reading in the NIV version. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. God bless the reading of his word. It is good to be back. It is good to be back. Yeah, ten, ten weeks of sabbatical is such a blessing to my wife and I, and we were rested, refreshed, had time for reflection. It was a real gift of this community to give to us as uh, pastors, and, and so we really thank you for that. And so uh, last Sunday, uh, you guys finished up this series through First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, I didn't listen to all the messages, uh, you know, I was kind of resting, uh, trying to disconnect a little bit, but I felt so disconnected by the time those 10 weeks were up, we were like anxious to come back and be a part of our church family. But uh, now that that's finished and well done, uh, Pastor Paul and those others who spoke at those uh, periodic times, uh, we're going to start this new series, as you heard, Habits of the Heart. And so this message, these messages will focus on spiritual disciplines or spiritual habits that help us and help us continually remind us of the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, the Lord of all, and who we are who follow him, that is, the children of God. And that is what the whole purpose of spiritual disciplines or spiritual habits are, is just to kind of continually point us back to that truth again and again and again, because that is what we stand firm on. And when we don't stand on firm ground like that, it's like that parable Jesus said, all other ground is sinking sand, right? We can't, <laughs> we're going to be washed away by the waves and winds and wave, uh, the flings of the world. And so spiritual disciplines help to remind us of this truth. And when we are able to be reminded continually of this truth, then we will truly experience the life that God intended for us who follow him. And we will be crystal clear in what our purpose is in life. And when that comes into clarity, because, you know, some of you are at the point of like, what am I going to study in college? Or what kind of job do I want after? And these are important questions. But 
when we stand firm in this truth, then we will be, it'll be made clear to us those decisions of life eventually in Christ. So as we look at the Word of God in regards to these disciplines, uh, we will see in the weeks ahead that many of our habits, I hope, will be transformed into habits that point us to Christ. Because, face it, a lot of our habits sometimes, mine included, point us to other things than Christ. Uh, we're pursuing things that we think we need, but not really need. So the Lord our God, we, the reason why we're focused on this is because the, the Lord our God is very concerned about the state of your heart and my heart. And in God's eyes, the heart of the matter is the state of our heart. Everything else is just extraneous. He's concerned about what we feel and do and think and act because all those things flow from the state of our heart. And so he's like, what is your heart? What is the state of your heart? That's what his most concern is. And that's what he's calling you to give to him, your heart. And we see this in the teachings of Christ, especially when Jesus said the following. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. You see, we need to be saved from our evil hearts, you and me, and Jesus did, and he continues to do just that, save us from our evil hearts. He is the heart transformer. He is the redeemer of all mankind. He is the Lord of all. He is the Son of God in the flesh. And this is who he is, and holding on to this truth alone will then give us the foundation to live as the children of God, confidently in this world in the everyday stuff of life. We all have habits. And some habits we think are good, some we think are bad. We label them, right? Oh, that's a bad habit. That's a good habit. Some habits we don't even realize are habits. I mean, for example, um, if you have a quick temper, that's a habit of your actions, the way you think. Uh, regularly getting angry at other drivers, cheating on uh, whatever to get better grades, lying to your boss, smiling when somebody first you meet them, or the, the word you use, the first word you say when you answer a phone call. These are all habits that we have. And where do they come from? How do they start? Why do we form them? These are the questions that we're going to start to get us to think about, especially as we're dealing with the habits of our hearts and relating to what points us to Christ and the truths that he has told us. And the habits flow, our habits flow from the way we think, the way we think of ourselves, who we think we are, or what we think we need, we desire to enhance in our life. And we form a habit to help get to that in our perception. And this, these habits flow from how we view ourselves and what we need. For example, a common one is physically working out. Right? I'm sure there's a good percentage of us who do that in some form or another. But why do we form this habit? Why do we strive for this habit? Well, there's multiple reasons why we do so. Right? One is for good health. One is to look better. One is to be stronger. Whatever it may be, to help us physically or mentally or emotionally even. 
But there's a reason why we are pursuing that habit and developing that habit in our life. Sometimes we struggle with that habit, right? We say, I'm going to do this, but then we, what falls down, it doesn't become a habit. So then we got to think of why. Why is what's blocking us from starting that habit? Because another habit is <laughs> kind of erasing that one. Well, today's text in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Uh, we will learn from Christ Jesus and this situation has uh, been led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Um, what is the foundation for this whole series that we're going to be looking at? It's, and it deals with Jesus and who he is. And that's what all the habits will point to. So we're going to look at our text today and see what we can learn from Jesus. And join me in prayer. Oh, Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer and savior. Amen. So this story of our text, as Jonathan just read for us, uh, it's immediately, context is so important. So immediately before this beginning of chapter 4 in Matthew, uh, there's a story, if you remember, the story of Jesus' baptism uh, in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. So then, then our, our text is, occurs in the beginning of chapter 4, and then immediately after our text, Jesus begins his public ministry. So he's kind of an, he's unknown up to this point. And then after this, he becomes known pretty quickly because of his ministry and what he does. So verses 1 and 2 of our text start saying, Then, meaning after the baptism, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, <laughs> he was hungry. <laughs> yeah, you would be hungry. Now, did I hear that correctly? The Spirit of the living God led Jesus into the wilderness. Why? To be tempted by the devil. Yeah, we heard that right. Now, the disciple Matthew, who recorded this account, he was one of the 12 chosen disciples of Jesus who wrote these things down. He would have had to have been told by Jesus... What happened here? Because as far as we can see, none of the disciples were there. The only people, the characters in this part of the text were what? Jesus, the Spirit who led him, the devil, and then at the very end, the angels are mentioned, right? They came. None of the disciples were present. So Jesus himself must have had an awareness by the Spirit that he was being led out into the wilderness to be tempted, tested by the devil. And so he is fasting, we see, for 40 days and nights. Now, this is interesting because this is the only place in all of Scripture that it says that Jesus fasted. This is it. And what it's interesting as well that Jesus only taught and mentioned fasting twice in all his teachings. And one was to tell his disciples that fasting was to be a private act of simple devotion to God, and then the other time was to indicate that it would, only be, it would be appropriate for his followers to fast after he left them, but not during the time he was with them. And that was it. He didn't say anything else. But here we see him fasting, and fasting more commonly refers to just simply refraining from something, but more, most commonly from eating, for a specific purpose. And Jesus, knowing that he was going to be tempted and tested, this period of time, by the Spirit leading him, 
is there focusing on, we can imagine, on his calling, his identity, who he is as the Son of God, his purpose for coming to the world as a way of redemption for all mankind and especially the way of the cross that was ahead for him. So he's praying, he's meditating on this, these 40 days and 40 nights. Which brings us then to these three temptations that Jesus faced. The first temptation. Verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. No, in other words, Jesus, if you, if you really are the Son of God, like you think you are, then prove this by doing this miracle. I mean, you're hungry. I mean, you're really hungry. <laughs> Do this. Just tell the stones and prove it by the power and authority you have. And then Jesus, knowing who he is and the purpose he came to earth, refused. And he responded, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And here Jesus is quoting from uh, the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 3. See, being the Son of God, Jesus knew that his life and his purpose was to submit to God the Father and act on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, that's as followers and submission, in submission to Jesus, ours is the same thing. We are to submit to the word of God. And Jesus submits himself to the Father. So who had told him to turn the stones in the bread? Who? Are you listening? <laughs> the devil, that's right. Yeah. So is it coming from the mouth of God? No. <laughs> so he's like, no, I may be hungry, but you're telling me to do this. That's a good indication that I'm not going to do that and, uh, and because I only follow what comes from the mouth of God. You know, it's so important for us to be able to discern what is from God, what is from our own desires, what is from the world, what is from the devil, because if we can't discern that, then we're going to be messed up. And we're not going to be only following what comes from the mouth of God. And so the more we know God's written word, the greater than you and I as followers of Jesus can discern what is from God and what is not from God. Someone in uh, my life group this past week, when we were studying this part of the text, uh, by the way, plug for life groups, we study the text that we're going to uh, deal with in the sermon the week before it is preached. And so we were looking at this text, and when we got to this part, this, one person said, you know, it's interesting that the tempter waited until after Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights for this temptation, when he was super hungry. And isn't it so true that when we are at our weakest point, physically or emotionally or uh, mentally, that we are most vulnerable to temptation. And that's when we either fail or then turn to Christ and withstand. Okay, second temptation. Verses 5 and 6. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. 
devil is really tricksy here by quoting scripture. He said it, it is written. So he's like, ha ha, you say that, I'm going to do that. And he uses this text from Psalm 91. Now, Psalm 91 speaks of God's promise to protect those who submit to him in humility. And so the evil one's bringing this out there. But Psalm 91 never alludes to that we are to force God's hand and his protection of us by acting carelessly in our lives and throwing ourselves in front of danger and saying, ha-ha, God, you got to keep to your promise, you know, like jumping out in front of a, a bus before it's coming. Ha-ha, God's going to protect me, you know, <laughs> and force God's hand. No, it doesn't imply that at all. It's humbly submitting to God and his commands that we do this. And Jesus, knowing the word of God, responded to this temptation, saying, it is also written, ha do not put the Lord your God to the test. And Jesus quoted here again from Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 16. I want us to notice how these first two temptations really uh, started. The first few words, they started the same way. What did he say? He said, if you are the Son of God. And he followed with the temptation. The devil was tempting Jesus to question his identity as the Son of God and the purpose for why he came on this earth. He was tempting Jesus to throw that aside. And and the context of these temptations is so important. So what happens right before this? This when Jesus being led to the wilderness. It was his baptism. And when if you remember that story, John the Baptist uh, I like argued with Jesus a little bit, and he said, no, you should baptize me. And Jesus said, no, I need to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. So John baptized him. When he was coming up out of the water, we learn a voice from heaven spoke. And do you remember what that voice said? It said, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. These are the words of God, confirming to Jesus and all those who are present This is my son. Bing. He's confirmed. Son of God. And whom I am well pleased. I love just an aside. Did Jesus do anything yet? No. (laughs) But he's so, he loves him and he's well pleased in Jesus. Right before Jesus starts his ministry. Yeah. Isn't that nice if our parents just affirmed us that way? You are my daughter. And whom I love. And I am well pleased. Except for, like, you're not doing too well in school and you're not doing, you know, whatever, you don't know, no, no, junk, throw, throw that out, right? But these are the words of God, clearly confirming Jesus' identity. And so it's important for us to remember that because then the devil is questioning Jesus' identity right after this. And we fall into this temptation as well because we either forget or we don't understand Or we do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, Lord of all, Redeemer of mankind. And therefore, we put God to the test, just like the devil is tempting Jesus to do. Because we're not clear on this identity. For example, we do this whenever we do something expecting to force God's hand in response. I mean, how many times have you ever had the thought, God, why why did you let this happen to me? I've been such a good person. I've been so, you know... I'm in devotional three days in a row. And how could you have this happen to me? You know, isn't that trying to force God's hand? Like, if I do this, God, you better do this. 
I throw myself off the temple, you got to catch me, right? It's the same thinking. If I do this, God, you got, you've got, your hand has to do this, according to my thinking, right? We force God's hand. And, you know, this shows up in my life a lot when I let circumstances sour my spirit. And I get frustrated and, and I turn into this, like, negative attitude. And uh, it's because it's like, God, you're supposed to make my life work smoothly. I'm following you. And now it's, this happened and this happened and, and, and I'm frustrated, and I get a little perturbed about it. And, I, and this even happens when I, May and I are playing Settlers of Catan sometimes. You know, like the dice is not rolling my numbers. And this is it's frustrating to me. And I get angry and I turn sour and negative. And then it's no fun playing. And May even says to me, he's like, I don't want to play if you're going to be like this. You know, it's like, and then I realize that what is going on in me? I am not believing at that moment that Jesus is Lord of the settler's game. I'm like so like caught up in myself and I'm supposed to always be working my way and I'm not going to win and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, and then there's, why are we playing the game? To be together, to bond, to have fun, to enjoy each other's company. But I'm so focused on myself. And I'm not trusting that Jesus is sovereign overall. And so what? Who cares if the dice don't roll me? I'm still with my wife. We're still playing. We're having fun. Yeah. But at that moment, I'm losing my way. The third temptation, verses 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. The devil here was challenging not only the identity of Jesus now, but the identity of God the Father. Because the devil is not Lord of all. He doesn't have the authority to give all these things to Jesus. right? He's he's lying to Jesus. But this was actually a temptation of Jesus to bypass the way of the cross, the the purpose for why he came to be the redemption of mankind. This is the sole reason he came. He's saying, I'll give this all to you, and then you can do whatever you want, right? You can bypass this. And, uh, you know, Jesus rebuked the devil, saying, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And here again, Jesus quoted from, guess what book? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. And notice what the devil did. What did the devil do after this? Do you remember? Do you remember? What did he do? He left him. So it's interesting to me. Like Jesus said, be away from me, Satan. And Satan obeyed him. <laughs> yeah. For maybe waiting for another time to try to tempt him again. But he, he was like, I gave up. Okay, forget this. And he left him. See, being a follower of Jesus as Lord is the process of us moving from unbelief to belief in this truth. Sure, it's, it's not a one-time done deal. It is in the sense of the change of our orientation in our hearts, at the state of our hearts. We go from being a, a man after my own heart to a man after God's heart. A woman after my own heart to a woman after God's heart. Now, it doesn't mean like I'm always going to be, but my orientation now is in this direction. And when I get off track, I will come back to that. 
because of the Spirit of God now that is enabling me to be in this orientation. Um, This is why the habits of the heart are so important because we need those continual reminders, those helps to orientate us back to what we've already been oriented to because we get off track so many times. And habits can either point us to the truth of Jesus as Lord and we as God's children in faith in Christ, or they will lead us away from this truth and cause us all kinds of grief in this life. I'm going to give you an illustration of this that I borrow from Paul Tripp, who's a Christian speaker and author. I really like his teachings. So we all know that we, people don't put up their real identities and self on social media, Right? Uh, it's, it's, I mean, who would like to listen to people's suffering and disappointments and social media like, hey, yeah, wow, you know, this person's having a real hard time. And, no, that doesn't encourage us. So we, it's just the way it feeds itself, right? You put up the best of yourself and the exciting things you do and the great vacations you have and the excellent stuff that we're experiencing, which is helpful. I, I like those of you who post food and say, yeah, this is a good restaurant. I appreciate that. <laughs> so that's really good. But in the sense that we post up like the best of everything, and that's not who we are. And so, you know, so for example, take for uh, parents. They plan a day of an outing with a family. They're two kids. And their hopes are of experiencing fun and bonding as a family and having some great memories. But that outing is everything but that. Uh, The whole day, the kids are rascals, and they're fighting each other, and the parents get... They lose their patience and they say a few things that they regret later from saying. And, you know, at the end of this conflict-filled day, and they feel like we're never doing this again. It's just crazy, right? Um, they say, oh, we got to get a picture. So they get a picture and they do a snapshot of them with forced fake smiles, their kids and everything. And then they post it on Instagram with this caption saying, great day out with the family, right? <laughs> Woohoo! And that's, that's the false identity. And this habit of social media can be so dangerous for us because we begin to project a false identity and we begin to ingest false identities of everybody else too. And we compare them with us, right? Sometimes I feel like, man, everybody's having so much fun and I don't, my life sucks, you know? <laughs> but it's, it's because it's not real. It's just bits and pieces here and there and maybe what we're seeing isn't even real as well. Standing firm on who we are in Jesus is so important. And what that is is said over and over again in the Scriptures, especially this one text I want to share with you in 1 John chapter 3, 1-3, that is so helpful and encouraging to us who follow Jesus. Listen to what is written there. See what great love... The Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and that and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is, and all who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure." If we need a reminder of who we are and our identity in Christ as a child of God, this text says it all. It speaks of our past identity, our present identity, and our future identity, all that is in Christ Jesus by faith. 
You see, the more secure that you and I are in Christ as Lord, and we as God's children by faith in Him, then we don't need to be regularly liked on social media or in person or praised or accepted or affirmed or respected or agreed with. We don't need that. I mean, those things are nice, but we don't need it because we are accepted by Christ, the living God. Spiritual habits or disciplines can help create this context in life that point us to this truth and give us Life that is exciting but secure in the one who never changes, the one who accepts you and me as we are and is transforming us to be what he wants us to be. And we have that security in his identity and in our identity. So this series of messages called Habits of the Heart, we will delve into some of these habits that the Scriptures mention and teach about. Habits of prayer, delighting in the Lord, resting, listening, engaging God's word, eating, giving, showing compassion, all in the name of Christ. And all these help us then to point us to the truth that Jesus is Lord of all. So our habits flow from the state of our hearts. So what is the state of your heart today? I want, to, I want us now to just take a moment and think of a, our habits, a few habits, especially Think of one habit that you have that you have labeled in your mind as bad. One of your bad habits. Just think of that. Take a moment. Think of how did this bad habit start, if you can. When did it start? What was the situation around when it started? Why did it start? What does this bad habit reveal about the state of our heart? What does it reveal about maybe an area of unbelief that relates to who the Lord Jesus is? Now, whatever you're thinking about, I want you to consider sharing this and your thoughts with another person in our church community. Someone you trust, but share it because others may be able to give us insight into the state of our hearts that when they hear of our bad habit, just they may be able to, or at least give us another perspective outside of our own <laughs> thinking. Yeah, and definitely bring it before the Lord in prayer because habits flow from the state of our hearts. You know, sin is a matter of the heart before it is ever an issue of our behavior. And so this means that our biggest problem in life exists inside us and not outside us. We may like to point to the things, the evil outside us, but it's really the evil inside us that connects with the evil outside us. And that's what leads us astray. So we must confess that we are our greatest problem. You are your greatest problem. Nobody else. I'm my greatest problem. And if we confess this, then what we're saying is that we don't so much need rescuing from the people in our lives or the situations in our lives, you know, that's causing us all these, you know, whatever it is in our hearts. It's that we need rescuing from ourselves. And Jesus is the only one who can rescue us from ourselves. 
He, he, he rescues us from our evil hearts because he is the transformer of hearts. He is the one by his grace alone that will be able to reach into our lives and accept us as we are and redeem us and transform us because of what he has done. God's grace is the grace for the heart. And that is very good news. So when the habits of our hearts help center us on Christ Jesus as Lord, then we as children of God will truly live freely and have an abundant life. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help desperately. And the habits of our lives are all over the place. You know. You know them intimately because you know us. We pray as your people, or those who are here seeking you, curious about you, Lord, that your spirit would continue to draw us to you, that your spirit would reveal to us the wicked ways of our heart. And as King David prayed in his prayer in Psalms, that you would cleanse our hearts, renew us, so that we can be free to live life as you intended on earth and experience the joy of the Lord in our hearts. Lord, we thank you for your saving grace. We thank you that by faith in what you achieved and accomplished, and you're taking the judgment for us on yourself, that we can be free to follow you and to live righteously. Glorify your name in us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.